0: This is episode 010 of The New Normal with our guest, Texas State Representative James White. We covered a lot of ground from China's attack on the U.S. and our economy to how we've responded locally and on a national level. Representative White also shares with us his experience as an African-American representing a district in Southeast Texas that has a perceived history of racism. We are supported by Mammoth Fuel. Mammoth Fuel Bars were created with people like you and mine using only natural ingredients and zero artificial junk. We took no shortcuts in developing this highly functional and portable fuel bar. What are the benefits you may ask? Portable on-the-go fuel, post-workout recovery, boost cognitive function, aids in weight loss, anti-inflammatory, and low sugar. With 13 grams of protein and only 4 net carbs, Mammoth Fuel is the perfect meal, snack, and energy bar where you'd like to go. Try Mammoth Fuel at mammothfuel.com. Welcome to the new normal, where we're talking current events, finances, philosophy, preparedness, and more. My name is Sal, and with me as always is my good friend Quentin. Each week, we dive into those various topics and bring you an inspiring person or message to navigate the world with a positive mindset in this new normal. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now, here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The New Normal. My name is Sal, and with me as always is my good friend, Quentin. Say hi to everybody, Quentin. What's up? we got a special guest joining us today, Quinton. State Representative James White of District 19 is on the line with us today. Welcome to the show, Representative White. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you so much, Sal and Quentin. Uh We're extremely proud to represent the five counties in Southeast Texas, Hope, Tyler, Jasper, Newton, and Harton counties. Um, and we're definitely proud to represent Sal B. <laughs> he uh, is in exclusively. Just, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Exclusively. Uh, Just a little bit of background for our uh, listeners who are not familiar state representative james white is a native of texas born in houston texas He attended houston isd public schools before graduating with honors from prairie view a and m university in 1986 With a bachelor degree of arts uh, And political science in addition, he completed his doctorate in political science at the university of houston Representative James White was also an officer in the U.S. Army Inventory. His service included an assignment uh, with the Berlin Brigade from 1987 to 1990 during the demise of the Soviet Union. Representative White began his career as a public school educator uh, in the Houston area. He continued his teaching career in Fort Bend, Livingston, and Woodville Independent School Districts. He taught United States history, Texas history, and geography at a secondary level. Representative White also taught U.S. government and economics at the collegiate and high school level. So you have a lot of experience to bring to the table in today's conversation. So we want to welcome you once again and thank you for your time. We've got a lot of things to, to go over and get your thoughts on as it pertains to the situation, not only in Texas, but on a national level. Um, with respect to COVID-19 and everything that's been happening and to set the stage for, for you to understand kind of the, the premise of, of the show, the new normal, um, we, we have the, the mindset or, or the perspective that mindset is a huge part of this new normal. And the new normal has has a very bad cliche connotation to it. You hear it a lot in news stories that this is just the new normal. The example we've used in the past is the shoe bomber. Now we have to take off our shoes at the airport. Everything becomes this new normal. So for us, when we started this show with respect to the new normal, we saw this as an opportunity to shift our mindset, shift from a this new normal is a bad thing to the new normal is something that we can take advantage of, that we can come out of, that we can not only survive, but thrive and, and come out of it with a more positive attitude. So I just wanted to get your take on what the new normal is for you right now and what's happening in Texas, and if you can just kind of give us a lay of the land of what's been happening uh, as a as representative of Texas and what you see happening uh, over the next few weeks and months for Texas.
1: Thank you so much, Sal and Quentin, for that, that question. I think to go forward, you, you, you also have to understand you know, where you're coming from, the origin. Uh, COVID-19 uh, originated in a province in China. Um, part of the reason why the entire globe is in the situation that they are in today is because of some poor decisions, maybe nefarious decisions, some maybe with some deliberate um, uh, rationale to them uh, made by the uh, Chinese junta uh better known as the Chinese Communist Party uh they are uh, the only ruling party system in. Uh, China. And um, uh, they're the ruling party, obviously. And they made decisions, not um, release some information, not invite a robust team of uh, researchers from around the world to come in and try to uh, stave off this uh, now pandemic in Wuhan. And that's one of the reasons that we are in this situation uh, right now because of those decisions. So when I think about this event, um, you know, you, you know, myself, or, or you guys on, on the screen here with me, we may have some concerns about decisions, various other stakeholders have made, but the point remains the main person or the main group that, uh, I really have a, a problem with right now is the, uh, Chinese Communist Party, right? Not Chinese people. They're great people. They have a great um, culture. Uh, they have a, a great lifestyle. Uh, it's, it's a great history. But it's this junta uh, in, in 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 China. Uh, this this uniparty ruling system in China uh, with the Chinese Communist Party that uh, facilitated this COVID nineteen attack. Sally Quentin, and that's just exactly how I can look at it. It's an attack okay um it it it's all offense it has forced us to uh do things and look at things at least during this period in a different way. so knowing where we were two and a half two two and a half months ago, um we didn't have all the information we would hope to have. Uh, in staving off a pandemic, um, because of some uh, poor decisions by our country, and it was these these decisions were of a bipartisan nature, of shipping all you know, think it's a good great deal to offshore all of our um, goods and services. Uh, in in this instance, medical equipment, personal protective equipment, better known as PPE, man, you know, having all of that offshore and in China, uh, this has been something going on for the last two or three decades or more, you know, that exacerbated the situation. When we look at seven, eight, or maybe even nine out of 10 of our drugs, and we're talking about pharmaceuticals of a very important nature, uh, um, offshore in China, okay? And so we were put in a situation, not knowing, not knowing a lot of information, not being able to readily uh, bulk up and equip up with uh, the necessary equipment and gear. And there was probably a different decision-making matrix that we needed two, two, two months to two and a half months ago. But the point is, um, May 13th and May 14th is not February 13th or March 14th. It's May 14th. I believe we know more than we know now about COVID-19. We still have much more to learn. And with that, we know this. High contagiousness level, right? Overall, very low fatality rate. We must say these things, okay? A very high incidence rate of fatality, the older our uh, folks get and and or the more they have certain uh, health conditions. Uh, what are those health conditions? Heart disease, high blood pressure, hypertension, respiratory disease, asthma, all of that. Okay, diabetes. This makes them more of a high risk. Okay, we know that uh, really right now until some other of therapeutics or prevention techniques come on the table. We know that good social distancing, basic uh, habits, and common sense—your grandma and your mama used to tell you about coughing into your elbow, if you cough or sneeze into your uh, hands, or when you come out of the restroom, clean them very well. Uh, I, I like using at least the, uh, the the process of saying the Lord's prayer at least twice while. I'm you know washing my hands to get the amount of time in okay um if if you don't readily have hot to warm water and and good soap, you can use uh you know any type of um uh, hand sanitizer okay and i you know you can do those techniques and and because I know I represent a district with a high level of um great senior citizens. If I know I'm going somewhere where many of these great citizens, some of them are, uh, you know, hail from our greatest generation, that Great Depression, World War II generation, I'll wear a mask um, in respect of their healthy, um, their health. So we know those are the best techniques. This is what we also know, Sal B. and Quentin. And I think we can all appreciate this as small business people. The innovation to ultimately defeat and deal with COVID-19 is going to come from the private sector. There's probably some guidance. There are probably ideas and recommendations that the government can can provide. But ultimately, it's going to be the private sector. So that's why I'm more and more Um, urging the governor to adopt a 100 by 100 safe, responsible plan. What do I mean 100 by 100, uh, Sal B. and Quentin? I mean 100, let all businesses open to the discretion that they want to, uh, to the extent that they want to, exercising safety and responsibility And providing them guidance and information how to move forward. While at the same time providing, well, know that word there, providing, offering, not mandating, providing and offering safeguards and guidance to our seniors and others in high-risk groups. Because at the end of the day, it's going to be, again, the, 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 the private sector, at the end of the day, it's going to be innovation. And if we're going to discover vaccines, if we're going to discover treatment therapeutics and other tools, we're going to have to have the economic activity to fund it. Okay, so I'm very confident um, in my constituents' ability to deal with this based on the information we know now. I trust their judgment, and most importantly, Um, I have faith in my Lord Jesus Christ.
0: What are some of the things that you're proposing with the governor with, with the hundred by 100, when we're talking about more of a cost to these small businesses that are now having to either hand out PPE or have PPE for their staff, that's going to incur a lot more costs for, for a small business to start operating.
1: Well, we have to be smart about this. Okay. You know, You've heard it a lot, Sal B, and, you know, you and I have been on some of the same calls on this uh, locally in in our great county. We have to be smart about this. Uh, Everyone says, you know, we need to listen to the science. We need to follow the science. We need to read the data. We need to understand the data. A lot of things I see going on has nothing to do with data science, okay? Um, You know, it's only going to take a little, little bit of while for people to know what businesses, what franchises are doing the things to safeguard their customers and the ones that are not. The market, I believe, is the ultimate arbiter in disciplinary. Okay. So that's why I say provide guidance. Okay. Provide suggestions. You know, if you're this type of business, Consider having this, 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 and this, and obviously say why. Because in some instances, some folks are telling people uh, pass out um, um, what do you call these things? Gloves, PPE gloves, to your to your um, uh, your, your staff, your employees. Well, guess what? If you're not changing the pe- the, the, the the glove every time you go from customer to customer. You're not doing anything.
0: It's absurd. I've I've seen restaurants tell their employees that they should be using hand sanitizers on the gloves and keep the same gloves on at the same time for for their entire shit. Yeah,
1: and, and that's just silly. So if if I'm if I'm serving Sal B and I'm serving him, I take his uh his credit card or his debit card or I take some money from him, I go, uh, I, I, I put it in the register, uh, ring him up. Uh maybe I do a hand sanitizer right there, right? And, and then I, I get his, his, his change out or whatever, and I take it back to him. Uh, thank you, Mr. Sal B. Uh, before I go to Quentin, maybe I do a little hand sanitizer, right? I mean, but having a glove and, and using the same glove and all, all through that—well, I don't know how much COVID you're spreading, but it's 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 stupid. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's it's pointless. Data, that's not data-driven, right? <laughs> okay, uh, here's another one. Tattoo studios. Uh, I don't have a tattoo. I have a brand. I don't. Ha- I don't have a tattoo. Okay, but a tattoo is the ultimate elective process. I don't know if you call it a procedure, but process. Okay, and to recommend the studio, a t- tattoo studio art- artist. You know we're working with them closely to get them open. Sal and Quit. Hey, suggestion. Uh, well, first of all, before I even get to suggestions, uh, I'm finding out that there are a lot of hygiene measures that they were doing above what we're asking many people to do now for COVID. Oh, for sure. Okay. It's a very right.
0: sterile uh, environment. I mean, I've I've got a yeah. few tattoos myself and it's, it's one of the most sanitary environments I've ever been to. And they're very, very stringent about just who yeah. they even let into yeah. to begin with.
1: Right. So. So, so the idea is, if there's some other ideas you have, hey, consider not having anyone waiting in your studio for a long period of time. Um, maybe there's some other, you know, guidance that you can provide them. But, the, but to say that they can't open, I love dentists. My congressman, Congressman Babin, is a dentist. But to say that tattoo artists can't open, but you have people that are literally. Doing uh, uh, you know, procedures inside people's mouths, uh, all types of aerosolized air and water droplets flying in the air, that is silly. And then to have the idea that we're going to group tattoo artists with sexually oriented businesses and put them on an indefinite, we don't know if we're going to open you. So, um, you know, uh, you know, I count the governor as a friend. I count many of the people around him as a friend. But um, we've got to be data-driven, scientifically-driven. And I think our our Constitution gets us there. If we follow the Constitution, it gets us there, okay? And if we know the – if we remember the power of the market, okay, it will get us there, so responsible, safe, providing guidance and assistance to vulnerable populations
0: so with respect to your your position on on china there's a yes. there's a post we we had a guest uh, who's running for Congress, Mr. Jim Simpson, you might be familiar with him. He alluded to the fact that there was a quote-unquote secret speech that was given by one of their generals. And I'm just going to read you a couple excerpts and get your reaction to that, and then let me know what you think about it. To resolve the issue of America, we must be able to transcend conventions and restrictions. In history, when a country defeated another country or occupied another country, it could not kill all the people In the conquered land, because back then you could not kill them effectively with sabers and long spears, or even with rifles or machine guns. Therefore, it was impossible to gain a stretch of land without keeping the people on that land. However, if we conquered America in this fashion, we would not be able to make many people migrate there. Conventional weapons such as fighters, cannons, missiles, and battleships won't do. Neither will highly destructive weapons such as nuclear weapons. We are not as foolish as to want to perish together with America by using nuclear weapons. Only by using non-destructive weapons can we kill many people and we'll be able to reserve America for ourselves. There has been rapid development on modern biological technology and new bioweapons have been invented one after another. Of course, we have not been idle. In the past years, we have seized the opportunity to master weapons of this kind We are capable of achieving our purpose of cleaning up, quote unquote, America, all of a sudden. Biological weapons are unprecedented in their ruthlessness, but if the Americans do not die, then the Chinese have to die. We must prepare ourselves for two scenarios. If our biological weapons succeed in the surprise attack, the Chinese people will be able to keep their losses at a minimum in the fight against the United States. If, however, the attack fails and triggers a nuclear retaliation from the United States, China would perhaps suffer a catastrophic, a catastrophe in which more than half of its population would perish. That is why we need to be ready with air defense systems for our big and medium sized cities. So the, the long and short of this secret speech that was, that was given by one of their top generals was to say that they want to reclaim America as their own and that they would use a biological weapon to do so. So what are your thoughts on that, given some of the evidence that President Trump has alluded to and, and others have alluded to that this, there's strong evidence to support that this came out of a Wuhan
1: facility? Well, I, I think that evidence is there, and, and it, it's still going through the, the churning of our intelligence systems and whatnot. Um, due to some uh, situations that have happened in the past, I remember when I was a young lieutenant in Berlin, Germany, um, as a company executive officer, field grade officer, first lieutenant at that time, first lieutenant at the time. Um, I was my company's uh, nuclear biological chemical officer, and that required me to get a little additional training on that type of warfare. Uh, Historically, uh, China has not really at all um, stood down there. Chemical, biological, um, warfare capabilities, or the, the you know pursuing those types of um, uh, you know weapons, they, they you know they haven't abided by uh, international treaties of such. Also, we know several years ago when there was a standoff in the Strait of um, in the South China Sea, uh, and uh, you know we pretty much. Force um, the Chinese to stand down. I think that was sometime in the eighties or the nineties. And so they realized, on a you know, uh, you know, to the extent that it would be peer to peer, they cannot defeat us peer to peer militarily. And and for some time since the late nineties, mm-hmm. they've had a doctrine of a sort of um, asymmetrical um, a. An uh, unrestricted type of you know engagement or attack uh, uh, on the United States, and it's and it's quite intriguing, and I would say quite innovative, because if you look at the way that they're really doing it, is by one co-opting, becoming part of institutions that we have developed. May it be the World Trade Organization, United Nations you know, other economic treaties or trade treaties, uh, the world court, you know, you know, being a member of those institutions, then getting in there, should I add the world health organization, uh, and, and, and get in those organizations, co-op those organizations, and then actually use those institutions to attack us. So it's the idea that we're going to have, we're going to establish our media outlets in the United States to promote our propaganda in the United States. Uh, we're going to, um, you know, dismantle your media organizations. This is Chinese. We're going to dismantle U S media outlets in China and send them back to the United States. And, and so their idea of, 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 using capitalism co-opting it and then turning it around and actually using it to defeat us so this is a, a very interesting type of of, of, um, of attack a uh, threat that we're facing it's going to take a different breed of leaders with a different thought of you know how to approach because as you're saying Salby, uh, We can continue building stealth fighters, and we need to. We can continue building advanced sea craft, and we need to. But all of that could be, you know, just made neutralized by undermining our institutions. And understand it's our institutions, constitutionalism, free and open markets, freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, and the exercise thereof. It's our institutions that's that really is our strength. So the idea, if you can attack the institutions and then use those, inst- those very institutions that the people respect and have um, uh, a trust in, that is a very novel, And I would say a very lethal way to bring down uh, a civilization.
2: So I've got some kind of tough questions for you, James, but you know, that's just in my nature, you know, we're friends. So uh, don't, don't take any of this personally or anything like that. This is a tough question, not about you personally, but about how the situation is being handled. Um, So we've had a very tenuous relationship with China over the past 20 years, but really the whole time. Right. Um, we've got evidence that Chinese weapons were falling into the hands of fighters in Afghanistan, um, potentially the Iranians. It seems to be that they may be accidentally or intentionally funding our enemies and supplying them with weapons. We've got Chinese opiates and fentanyl making their way all through the Midwest, wreaking havoc that causes a manpower issue and could potentially Destabilize that region for manufacturing, which they have seen to fit to exploit, right? You we're seeing Chinese uh, buy factories in the Midwest and exploit the opiate uh, addition up there to bring in Chinese. This has happened and it's been documented. Um, to the virus, I, I, I'm sure you're familiar with fourth generation warfare, and this certainly indicates that it may be a uh, well, certainly supplying our enemies' weapons is war by proxy and, you know, uh, poisoning our population could actually be a, a, a direct attack. Uh, certainly, if we found out this was an actual bioweapon that escaped from Wuhan and it was, you know, intentional, that would be a, a direct attack uh, with them just trying to reduce their culpability by hearing to have it infect their own population. But, but regardless of whether we find out it's intentional or unintentional, as it stands right now, it, it, it very well may be fourth generation warfare. So we've got lots of conflicting data about the virus, how deadly it is, how deadly it isn't. What we do know is that there's many strains at this point. And, you know, a lot of the conflicting data might actually just come from interpreting one strain's uh, lethality versus another strain. We know that the strain in New York is more deadly than the strain in L.A., um, But we still know a very little about it. It could be very benign and it could be, you know, very serious. But the, the point being is it's caused massive disruption. So whether it's an actual WMD or not, it, it has caused massive disruption. So my problem is with the way this has been handled. And I, I think that Donald Trump's knee jerk reaction and his initial reactions were very good. And he was restrained for whatever reason. His initial reaction was to immediately shut everything down and potentially start mobilizing troops. And we know he initiated the War Powers Act and the Defense Production Act, but what has not been said, but what seems to be apparent to anybody who can read between the lines, is that continuation of government protocol seems to have been initiated. It, and I assume that is because we've got soldiers in Cheyenne Mountain, Mount Weather, which hasn't been used in quite a long time, and Raven Rock, which also hasn't been used in a while for those purposes. And they're locked in. They haven't seen their families since this all began. This is a very serious situation that we haven't seen since the Cold War. And I'm not sure that anyone was locked into Mount uh, Weather or Raven Rock or Cheyenne Mountain, for that matter, during the Cold War for months. I don't think that that ever happened. Um, So it seems that we've initiated a continuation of government protocols. My problem with the way that this has been handled is that we have been paying for COG protocols and aid and supplies since about the 1940s or longer even, and we have massive stockpiles of civil defense rations and humanitarian rations and humanitarian aid that we seem very you know keen to dole out to the whole world. But anytime the American people need it, it's it's a strong uh, and this isn't just Donald Trump. I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger at Donald Trump. Like I said, I think his initial reaction was very good. But even he says he was restrained by private business interests that just told him to ride it out and treat it like blue. Now, I'm glad he admitted that. I think that that's very important. Um, because ultimately, it's these multinational corporations, these globalist entities that stand to benefit the most from the, the disaster and the trade situation. And the reason I say that is because right now as it stands there's a clear way into martial law there's a clear way out of martial law if it was enacted there is no clear way in or out of this technocratic hellscape that is being created by big tech and the government seems fit to allow them to create these surveillance systems and once they're rolled out they're rolled out there's no real way going back that genie's out of the bottle and but martial law not so much there's no interest that the government has despite what some conspiracy theorists might think there's no interest the government has in maintaining long standing martial law it's very expensive mm-hmm. it's very disruptive it causes a huge uh, distrust by the public and it's almost irreparable but it could have been very beneficial the reason i say that is because right now what we're seeing the government is mandating private business remain closed right but these multinational corporations continue to operate and they eat up market share of our citizens at a very rapid rate Main Street continues to lose market share to these multinationals every day they're forced to remain closed. And the argument displayed by the media is two ways. Either we are all going to die from the flu or the coronavirus, right? Or we need to demand to go to back to work right now. It, well, that doesn't, there's some cognitive dissonance there. It's like, is it, is it, is it a bioweapon that's very serious or is it just the flu? Is it an economic, you know, it, it's, it, there's a lot of conflicting messages. So my, my guess, or my question would be, why have we allowed big business to eat up the market share of Main Street and the small business government could have since it initiated continuation of government protocols for itself and for the banks? Instead of charging people double, forcing us to buy our relief aid from Walmart, Amazon and Target, mm-hmm. why not disperse the aid that we paid for and continue to pay for? Why not use MMT to go into debt to ourselves and put our bills in forbearance and have the banks who ba- we bailed out now twice put a pause on our bills since they really wouldn't exist if it weren't for the American people going into debt for these banks. Why are we forced to to, to choose between our small businesses and big businesses, which is just kind of it's – forcing, it's forcing our economy into a very uh, – I don't know, the death of free enterprise, so to speak. When we could have just shut everything down, only left critical infrastructure open, the government could have initiated martial law. We could have gone into full continuation of government protocols, potentially wiped the virus out within a matter of a couple of months, and then resume business as normal would just close borders and small business would have lost no market share whatsoever to big business.
1: Okay. Um Why didn't we do one or the other? Okay. Well, look.
2: um, I know this is a really tough question. There was a lot of stuff packed in that, so well, well, take your time.
1: Well, well, here's the deal. Um, We have something called the Constitution. Okay, Uh, we we still have that. Okay, Uh, but saying that we did do a taking, but uh, let me back up. If I remember, for the most part, the pre- president and his team offered guidance. His president, the president and his team, I don't think they never really shut anything down. No. Okay. Okay. So a lot of these other shutdowns, lockdowns, shelters in place, whatever term you want to use, these were done at the state, county, and local level uh i think some of it was you know let me just talk about texas right now okay chapter most of chapter 418 in the government code as we know it was you know, is is it exists due <clears> to <throat> the texas disaster act of 1975 okay and I want to think the Disaster Act of Texas Disaster Act of 1975, probably on the back of the minds of those members of the legislature in 75, was was a flood, a wildfire, or or, or a hurricane or a tornado. Probably not responding to a worldwide pandemic. They probably thought that at any given time there could obviously be multiple executive orders and emergency orders by a governor in various parts of the state, but there would never probably be an entire order of the same nature over the entire state. So I think it was part of not seeing this type of threat before. Uh, What can we do to slow down as much activity while keeping some things possibly open of, 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 of a more immediate, essential nature. Again, right. Uh, There will probably be a lot of things that we, we would do different. So I think the best thing, you know, to your point, when I think the best thing we can do now, knowing what we now, no now. And we've gonna ha- we're gonna have things to deal with China, this virus, uh for many, many months, maybe years, right? Okay. So
2: I guess I, I guess what I was saying and, and what my problem with the whole situation, because I, I can I can kind of clarify this better. Uh, if if this was nineteen sixty-two, right? Uh-huh. And we, we thought the Soviet Union potentially unleashed a bioweapon on us because fourth generation warfare has been around for a while. I mean, this is a Cold War development, right? I don't think we would have seen the government outsource its duty to IBM, Sears Roebuck, Piggly Wiggly, and Woolworths. I know they wouldn't have done it. I know there would have been a massive federal response because of the civil defense rations that were doled out during the Cuban Missile Crisis and the bomber gap. You can find those civil defense rations all over the country, and the government helped people prepare their bomb shelters. If this had occurred at a time when we were particularly vulnerable, given our trade situation, I would say that we were to, a, to an attack like this. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have responded this way. My my point is that if the federal government had believed. That mm-hmm. and, and it seems like there are mainstream politicians who believe that we may have been attacked and this may actually be a wide scale attack or a large scale attack. Yes. Why are we seeing guidance from the federal government when we have constitutional mandates that executives can assume an ex- executive function and we have War Powers Act and powers like posse comitatus that allow for federal oversight and execution of continuation of government and defense. I just don't understand why we're being charged twice and why we've outsourced right. our response to, to these right. large multinationals right. who are still benefiting under COVID.
1: Either way. Okay. And, you know, let me, let me just go to one of my safe parachutes.
2: Um, I know it's I'm a, not a question. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not like, let me get you, gotcha or gotcha, anything I like get that. you. I get
1: you. I get you. Let me go to one of my safe parachutes. I used to be a paratrooper when I was in the Army. So let me let me uh, let me pull my my reserve as well. Um, So not being a a member of Congress. um, I will tell you. The member of Congress that intrigues me the most about this particular event, Quentin, is Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas. I agree. Uh, Yeah. He was he was in a intelligence briefing. They were talking about this. And the way he explains it, and no one has disputed it, he was really the only one that marched down to the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue, demanded to see the president and say, this is going to be the biggest thing that, you know, we've ever experienced. Yes. Uh, And he's gotten some criticism, um, you know, among the He's a very brave man. Well. But but it, look at this, and I'm and and and, and I and I, I and I can't stand to be corrected on this. He's gotten a little criticism from the media, but none of his colleagues, Republican or Democrat, have said that guy is crazy. No one has really said that in the in the, in the Senate. So he wasn't the only one in the in the intelligence briefing. Okay, I mean he wasn't the only one in there. Okay, and again. Knowing as we opened up, knowing that the Chinese prefer to attack institutions, well, what did we have going on in November and December? We had the um, uh, impeachment process going on. Okay, a great distraction. Okay, for the political class in D.C. So, not being a, a, a not being a, a member of Congress, not having access uh, to, uh, the type of information they may have. Um, I will tell you this though, uh, our DPS, our state, uh, security apparatus, uh, is part of a national intelligence grouping. Okay. And, um, um, they do share intelligence. Okay. And, um, so I want to think that our governor has been briefed, hence in an enhanced manner, maybe. Okay. Uh, so, so you know, why we didn't do martial law real quick? Why didn't we just go do the immediate um, two-week um, shutdown, which probably could have, as some um, epidemiologists would say, Probably could have just shut it down, shut this virus down. Maybe, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I just, I just was, I, I was just not in, um, in that.
2: I, I respect that. Right. right. Now, the only reason that, I ask that is because the countries that have uh-huh. have done a very good job at shutting it down, and, and, and like and, you're seeing and, in New Zealand, South Korea.
1: Yeah. And, and and could I could I add something to that?
2: You know, sure. uh,
1: when we look at the characters of countries, obviously, New Zealand is a. Um, obviously, New Zealand is uh, a country based on, um, you know, popular forms of government. You know, sure. they have open elections, respect for rights, uh, their respect for the First Amendment, or excuse me, their, their respect for. Um, Foreign ownership is is it's not very good it's not good at all
2: but it used much, to be but you're right they're, now it's like, good, terrible.
1: but, but they are pretty much they vote they vote to the have territory okay let's put it that way okay but it's a much smaller country okay um, so to have top down quick shut it down is probably something that's more feasible okay I mean if you even look at the attack on Pearl Harbor, Hawaii wasn't a state at that time, but, you know, we didn't just go down to a full-scale shutdown then. Uh, during 9-11, to to your credit, to a certain extent, we did shut down the entire airspace at least, okay? We even and shut did, down you, the stock market for four days. You
2: bring up an interesting point because after That's Pearl right. Harbor, when we were being attacked on the eastern seaboard by the Wolfpack, people refused to turn their lights off and, and it, it, they ended up having to put troops on the streets to get people to shut their lights off at night because they just refused to do it. And people got killed from that. Americans are generally not very willing to go along with. So, so, so look,
1: you know, so with that, um, but understand, um, you know, as, as old coach would tell me, and I think it, it, it can, it can work in a, in a reciprocal way. The same thing that makes you laugh can make you cry, and I think it works reciprocal so some of the same institutions institutional norms that allow us to prosper and thrive uh, sometimes they can work against us, but I think in the long term work for us okay so you,
2: you bring up a really interesting point i'm I'm really glad you brought that up. So let's say let's say this is an attack and we expect, maybe we expect to see more. China's acting very strange and, and we are obviously responding to it because the US government is making preparations for their strange behavior. Uh-huh. Do you think that the American population and it you know, if you don't you don't feel comfortable answering this, you don't have to. But do you think the American population has the the wherewithal or the gumption to do what's necessary anymore to survive a prolonged onslaught like this? If it's oh, oh, truly yes. is the oh, opening yes.
1: phase look, look, I know my constituents of Southeast Texas, they're tough, they're hardy. uh, they they can they can deal with tough stuff. And I think Americans in general can deal with it. It's in our it's in our bloodstream. Okay. Um
0: Yeah, push come to shove.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree yeah, with you. Right, I was just—I just, right. I they're, just they're, wanted to ask that yeah, question. They're, they're, oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but again, it's—you know—our innovation to innovate markets and have this real-time um, supply network across the world uh, in one way works very well for us, right? You don't have to have these stockpiles. I'm—I'm mean, I'm talking about your your stores, your warehouses, and that sort of thing. You Know if you have this real time supply network where you know within a month you know you can you know disaggregate consumer data, have things uh, manufactured in China or in the 40s, have it into your ports in Houston or, or 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 Long Beach or New York, um, you know, in two weeks and never miss a beat, right? Uh, that is part of the American market innovation. Uh, so in some ways, we've benefited from that, okay? But now we're finding out in some ways, it can work counterproductive. So those things happen, okay? Those things happen. But if you remember uh, the, 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 giant, the the Japanese military leadership, you know, they had a very um, uh, vigorous debate uh, we don't need to if we're going to attack the united states we don't do a, we don't need to do a pinprick and there was some in the japanese military hierarchy that thought a pearl harbor attack yes it would cripple the american naval fleet but at the most part that would be a a pinprick when the united states could get its full industrial capacity geared up in a war fighting potential to a war fighting potential way. And at the same time, Quentin and and, and Sal, um, you know, marshal the will of the entire American people, Um, you know, anything that the American people set their minds to do, they will do it. Uh, That's what made Gorbachev uh, a fault when, 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 when President Reagan said, we have the technology, we have the wherewithal, we have the, the, the economic means to have a literal nuclear shield, um, that, that hastened the demise of the um, Soviet Union. Because the idea is that if we put our minds to it, we will get the resources and the will behind it. So I'm very confident uh, that that will is still in, in our bloodstream.
0: We are supported by Arial Digital. Aerial Digital is a full-service digital marketing agency that specializes in custom-designed websites for small to medium-sized businesses. Whether you need a simple one-page bootstrap website or you're ready to start selling your products online with an e-commerce website, Arial Digital is equipped to help your business. Go to aerialdigitalmarketingcom newnormal. That's A-R-I-E-L digitalmarketing.com slash new normal and save 20% on your custom website today. So you've been posting a lot of articles recently, and, and there's been a lot of talk. There's been, even right now, Breitbart is doing a live stream in Minnesota with protests to open up the economy. I think we've been very oh, fortunate yeah. in, uh, in Texas to, to have an economy that's being reopened in these phases, in this phased approach to allow people to get back to work you've you've also been posting a lot of uh, material regarding you know open up now and some of the uh, economic impacts that are happening there's a great resource jim simpson pointed us to called restartnow.io and you can look at every state and, and the implications of not restarting the economy either boldly or or in these phases and it has statistics like as of right now we've lost 124 billion dollars uh, in revenue We've lost 1.7 million uh, jobs. There's been an increase attributed to the shutdowns. Uh, there's been an increase of 1,271 suicides. And that's in comparison to 1,146 COVID deaths. So there's been more suicides attributed to the shutdowns than actual COVID deaths. What do you see for Texas over the next few weeks, over the next few months, that can help ease some of these um, numbers My,
1: if, if, if you know and let me tell folks uh, um maybe in certain areas um of policy areas because as a member of the legislature you tend to um you know you're you're obviously concerned about everything right because you vote on everything okay that comes to the floor but from a policy standpoint because you sit on various committees you tend to have you know policy sort of focus right so uh, maybe on prisons, maybe on some things in criminal justice, they call me on, but mostly this has been the governor, a lot of his advisors in the medical field that have provided him this advice, uh, not very much, you know, interaction or engagement um, in the run-up to making decisions. Okay. Maybe after the decisions, but not necessarily in the run-up, but look, it, it is what it is. You know. We, we've. My point is, again, I'm not for forcing people to have a vaccine, right? But the only way we're going to get one is we, we, you know, government creates nothing, okay? Government taxes, and we know the old phrase, uh, taxation, uh, you know, is, is the, the power of the tax is the power of the, the destroy, right? So the, the idea is, we've got to have the wealth. We got to create the wealth in order to have the government resources to do the vaccine, to do the therapeutics, to to, to have the hospitalization resources. Even if we just say we got to continue fighting, uh, dealing, and defeating COVID nineteen, we, we got to got to be able, we've got to have something. We just can't just print three trillion dollars, right? right? So uh, we, we, we've got to get our economy up and going in a responsible. Safe way again. I think we do that um, by letting the market responsibly innovate its way uh, back to prosperity and operation. So I would just tell the governor if, if, if you don't, if we don't do it today, I think he wants to do another big announcement on the 18th. I would say do it today 100, 100 safe and responsible, safeguarding the vulnerable. Okay allow everyone to open up to the capacity that they can in a safe responsible way providing them information and guidance
0: so right. we're, we're sort of in a stalemate right now though wouldn't you agree though i mean we, we've got half the population and obviously this is not 100 accurate but we've got half the population that says i'm not going anywhere i'm staying indoors i'm not going to do anything you can't Obviously, you can't force people to go to restaurants and then go shopping. And then you got the other half who says, let me go to work. I don't want to collect unemployment. So we're, we're at this stalemate right now where businesses are opening up, but people don't want a patron.
1: And, 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 and let me dive into that, because this has been, again, the governor, Speaker uh, Bonin, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, uh, Dr. Hillestad at the Department of State Health Services, the team of medical um, uh, folks, Dr. Punt, who's our state epidemiologist, and so many great smart minds. Um, I salute them on how they have solved Texas's problem with the PPE supply chain about exponentially by, by the day increasing our ability to provide testing opportunities for, for Texans by ramping up um, our hospitalization and our ICU, I mean, I give them, man, those guys have done a bang up job. Okay. No doubt about it. But if I have one really concern, especially with the medical team around the governor is tell the people what they need to know. um, you know, I don't know if you've watched some of the governor's uh, press conferences lately, Sal and Quentin. He usually starts off, he gives a great layout about how far we've come, the capacity that we still have, you know, how we're ranking very low in the number of deaths, not only nationally, but among a cadre of, of, of big states. I mean, great stats. And then when we go to Dr. Hiller's he goes, COVID-19 has not left Texas. It is still at bay. <laughs> I get that, okay? I would hope that Dr. Hellerstadt would back that up because for the right reasons, the public is placing a lot of trust in our medical community because this is a public right. health challenge. Well,
0: and okay? there's a lot of back and forth, a tug of war of, of, of these ideologies of get back to work, no, stay indoors for the rest of your life.
1: But 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 follow me on this, Sal. So if Dr. Hellestatt would say, hey, the governor's done a great job, he's absolutely right, we've come a far away, we're finding out that yes, COVID-19 is a highly contagious virus, but we're also finding out that if we do, if we continue to do great social distancing, and I think the way that our local officials have responded early in this event, Sal, it's kind of trained us a little bit. It's kind of given us some training now where some of this stuff is becoming habitual. All right. Right. And not an outlier. So he just someone said, say control. Well, well, it's becoming habitual, you know, washing your hands even more than you do. I, I heard the speaker the other day Says you know, I'm, I'm washing my hands more than I, I did in the past. Like, okay, what does that mean? Okay. <laughs> you, mean you never wash it and I've shaved yeah. the guy's hands. Okay. So, if he would say, if we continue to exercise social distancing, and most of this, if not all of this, can be done without a government edict to stay home, okay? If and 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 he can show the, um, the, the 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 data, the the bars when you look at the demographically by age, who has become a fatal statistic due to COVID, the older you get the bar gets higher, right? So protecting those vulnerable populations, protecting those vulnerable uh, elderly folks with the, uh, uh, the health conditions, safeguarding them, giving them the information, it's a highly contagious but low fatality because what I told some in the medical community and the epidemiological community, a few days ago, Sal. If you guys don't tell us that, if people don't hear that from y'all, it doesn't matter if the governor opens all the businesses today and gives everybody $5,000 to go spend by the days. Nobody's going to leave because the first thing that the doctors say when they get, they stand by Donald Trump, they first got to give you this grave, stern report. Okay, and the point is that people aren't stupid. They know COVID nineteen hasn't left Texas. <laughs> okay, people aren't stupid, but they need to hear the data put in context. So you're right, Sal. I think it's a false dichotomy to believe this this phrase, "profits over people." Uh, you know, we we can't we, we we can't go back to growing our economy to create the means to defeat COVID or any other virus, or we just got to stay home and wreck it. That, that's, that's a false choice. And that's never should be a choice, right. okay? We know what can help. I mean, let, let me dive into this because you back guys may want to go to this eventually. Look at what we're learning now. Look at what we're doing now. Uh, we could very well do this in a studio. You've got the capabilities to do this Uh, Sal, probably at your home, in a studio with all of us three in the studio. Mm -hmm. But look how convenient this is. And by having this in this format, and I don't know if you have this recorded, I think you do, I can go back, anybody can go back and and watch this multiple times. So it's convenient. I think we're finding out in state government, we were, I think a lot of us in state government were sort of skeptical of having our... State employees, our state public servants work from home. Guess what we're finding out, guys?
0: They're more productive. Their
1: work product has actually increased. Yep. Okay. Um, There are probably some um, efficiencies that we're finding out on the school side. So going back to state government, we're finding out that, hey, maybe we won't have to build that building over there for millions of dollars and turn on the heat and turn on the air and have, you know, big parking garages. And maybe we won't have to spend all the money in Travis County in on I-35 to make it wider or higher uh, in order to, to get the traffic down because we won't have to have all these state employees on the road. Yeah. Maybe higher education can be more aggressive with online education. So we're learning things. Um, I don't think as much in my district. But, you know, listening to Speaker Bonin the other day, he said that uh, a restaurateur in his district is saying, hey, look, you know, maybe I should exploit, expand curbside service more. Okay. All right. Uh, so think about what we are learning and the capabilities. They were always there. Zoom has always been a platform. right? But. But now we're finding out that there are other ways that we can connect and not so much practice social distancing and and not infect or contract a virus, but also be more efficient and broaden our level of opportunity for all our folks.
0: And this is what we've been talking about with the new normal, this quote unquote new normal, is is shifting our mindset, shifting our capability to be more efficient to run more lean. I think a lot of small businesses are starting to realize that they could have been running so much leaner. The average American just on on a daily budgeting standpoint, wastes $500 a month. So I think we're starting to really see that some of the positives of this new normal is that businesses can run leaner businesses can run virtually we're seeing a lot more businesses turn to online and e-commerce so these big pivots yeah. and these big swings we had a we had a guest a couple of episodes ago that immediately pivoted their business from brick and mortar uh furniture to completely online sales and they've almost doubled if not tripled they can barely keep up with the demand now that they've shifted online so we're yeah. seeing this through yeah. this new paradigm of of small businesses and and even just on an individual level people are switching it up they're pivoting they're they're okay. and, adapting and, to and this going, new normal
1: and and going back to brother quentin here i think that's where we can start leveling the field with our small businesses versus these multinationals and that's why it's so important to to get our folks back and let them get in the fight let them get in the game i mean you know Um, the the, the American revolutionaries in the 1770s, they had to learn in battle. Okay, yeah, Von Steuben got them together and they did drill and all that stuff, but the, the, the learning happens in battle, okay? That's when you learn. You learn about yourself. You learn about the capabilities of your opponent, your adversary, or your competitors. Okay, and so by restraining our small business 25% today, well, maybe 50% tomorrow, maybe 100%, tomorrow, that, that's stunting them. They need to find out now where James White will come get a hamburger and where he won't get a, get, get a hamburger, okay? <laughs> when, when they're going to Sal B's Burgers, okay, because Sal B. Virtual has, Burgers. You know, he, he's got some way where I can order up, um, get something more customized and, 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 and he's safeguarding my health and safety, you know, this other, you know, multinational national chain is still doing it the same way. Hey, I'm, I'm going to say i Okay. So it's all of that. And, and, you know, I just saw it, uh, pop up here, you know, our friend out in, 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 in California. Elon Musk, he knows the only way he's going to be competitive is getting on the field. Yeah. Okay. And and he understands the idea of maintain getting and maintaining market share.
2: When even I agree with the uh, like almost everything that you said because small businesses they have the potential to lean out faster and more effectively these bureaucratic and bloated you know, multinational corporations, they have some, they have so many fixed costs attached to their operation that, you know, there's only so lean they can go before it starts to really cut into their marginal utility. So, uh, and and their profit margins for that matter. Um, So, you know, I think this could be a great leveling field for small business. Um, And and it, it could be one of the first times in history you can see a leaning out of the economy without a reduction in pay or benefits. Because we're just reducing fixed costs,
1: and that and may and may very well so to be the thing with government. So um, uh, now we don't want a situation where we're just going to have one guy. Uh, if you're in state government for eighteen months, uh, eighteen to twenty four months, just calling the shots. Uh, we probably don't want to go that far, but um, but again, um, you know, I'm talking with heads of government agencies you know working from home uh kind of telecommuting i guess that can be a term uh, um how that's working now sometimes you just got to meet up you you got to see yeah. people you, you know and but it doesn't have to be these big old uh white elephant buildings um you know blowing so
0: what do you, of, you know, what do you tell a commercial real estate investor in a commercial real estate con- uh builder when, when, right. you, when you start saying those things, you know, obviously they're going to have to pivot and maybe that answer isn't going to manifest itself in this conversation. But real estate markets are reeling right now, commercial and residential. So what do you well, tell and, those, and, those businesses?
1: Yeah, well, well, I would say that's probably more so to just the overall e- economic situation.
2: You have a major um, infrastructure problem they could immediately pivot to that needs to be corrected.
1: Right. So let me just give you an example. Um, the Damby Bridge has suffered a very serious <laughs> defect, I mean, um, uh, damage to it. Uh, Texdot was doing its routine bridge inspection and and they noticed where the bridge had been compromised to the extent that uh, they had to, cease any traffic on it until they did a more heightened inspection and then they realized that they needed to do um, they needed to repair it now let me just give you the, the, the let me just give you the skinny at the top okay uh we were able to work with the uh, text dot the transportation commission they rushed and did an emergency letting and when we mean by letting that means authorizing a project and getting the funding for it. Okay. So the project is funded uh, already. It was bid. It was bidded out Tuesday. So we've got a contractor uh, and I'm thinking we should be able to see that contractor out there working. If not by the end of next week, maybe uh, sometime next week. Okay. And, and I'm hoping uh, getting some um, no one no no one is committed to this. I'm not a transportation engineer, but I'm hoping based on the scope of the damage that maybe we can get this wrapped up by the end of May, early June. Uh, saying that, I got a call from a realtor in Jasper today, and the idea that you know uh, they have listings here in, in Tyler County. Have realtors in Tyler County. They have listings in Jasper, and the idea that you would have to have a a customer, a client, or even yourself would have to you know do that roundabout on ten thirteen or two fifty five is burdensome. So, um, so you're right. So maybe. you know, if you're like me and you go search and go look for a, another uh, set of property, your first thing to do is to do what? To go look at it. Okay. But, you know, maybe a, a, a pre-look where the, the agent, the broker walks through the home or walks to the property.
0: Yeah, it does a live uh, video with them.
1: With a live video yep. uh, or, or on a drone. But make sure you get one of those drones that was not made in China and doing um, a <laughs> uh, covert Surveillance intelligence. Right. So, so that's what we're talking about. Okay. And again, pivot. yeah, the, these things were on the table, but I don't think by mandates. Okay. And, 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 and suppression is the way to get there. You're going to have to loosen up the entrepreneurial mindset and let these women, men and women get to the finish line. Agree. The best way they can. Very
0: true. So you brought up Elon Musk and and he's yes. uh, he's been a little bit of a civil disobedient mascot for the last couple of days and thank god civil disobedient folks. Yeah and and they've they've blinked, right? So the county that that they're in in Alameda has blinked and they're allowing them to open and I'm a little sad about that cuz I think there's a good opportunity for for us to start um <laughs> negotiating with Elon and, and, and companies like them to to come into Texas. I mean he even mentioned it Texas. Still be there. And and I would love to see what what on a legislative level and, and on a county level, what could we be doing to attract these businesses? I think that's another opportunity for these states who are opening up and who are open for business. How can we start attracting these businesses who are in these more well, restrictive well, and totalitarian
1: well, areas? Good good question. Well first of all, uh, we've got to stop being partially totalitarian. And, and go ahead and and go full blast and and, and get our economy going. Um and uh what, what what we're also finding out you're talking about the big pivot so to say so to speak. Right. Uh if we can do if we can do alcohol to go now and practically have no adverse impact in the middle of COVID Could we do alcohol to go all the time? So Mm. I think a lot of members of the legislature, including myself, will be looking at these emergency orders that the governor has uh, come up with. And we'll be saying, okay, not only did you do it this time, but this is one you do all the time. We have a disaster. Why don't we just make it a permanent statute? So, There's ways
2: to do that and and keep safeguards on, and Louisiana has proven that.
1: Yes, so I think there are ways that we can go in and look at our regulatory code, pare that down, make our businesses in Texas more competitive, uh, more prosperous, and and so they can thrive in a very competitive global economy. So I think that's a case, and um, this next budget cycle can prove. I think it will prove to be more challenging. I think any budget is a challenge. I I don't think we should go into any budget cycle thinking we can just spend money willy-nilly, okay? But any budget cycle uh, is challenging. So I think going into this next budget cycle, um, as we need to find efficiencies, as we need to do the cuts if we have to, I think we will. We need to be looking at you know what did we do without government wise during the during the pandemic and everybody stayed alive right okay maybe we can cut that
0: how lean can we get
1: yeah right so I think you know going forward after the pandemic that could attract more industry and make make them more uh, advantageous here in Texas locally um, you know. Sal, you and I have had these discussions before. I think local communities need to make the decision ultimately on how they want to proceed in the future. Right. What's going to be their character? What what you know, what are we going to know them? About? You know, I, I think I told you a story about uh, I think my second session going into my second session, we had, you know, this, this, this series of bills to enhance our water infrastructure through the state can't do much or get much started without water. All right. And, um, I was talking with the member the senior member of the legislature that was carrying these bills. And he made the point of saying, Sal, that, um, you know, the bills that we'll have and the resources that these bills will provide our local communities, it'll be something that they can, it'll be up to them to take off the table what they don't want to take off the table. And, and look, there are some communities in Texas. I don't think those exist in my district. They may, I don't think so. They they don't want to grow. Okay. And, you know, that's not necessarily a a vice. Uh, That's not necessarily something bad. If they've made a collective decision that they don't want to grow.
0: It's their okay. right to self determination.
1: Right, right, right. So, um, so it's going to eventually be there. But the idea having a, a state economy, economy that champions lower tax rates, let a certain less burdensome regulatory environment um, strives to have a civil court system that focuses on fairness and not. Um, Uh, you know, gaming the system for a few uh, outlandish uh, uh, trial attorneys. Okay, I'm I'm talking about not having a lot of lawsuit abuse and ensuring that we have the 21st century education and technology that we need to make sure that we can continue to uh, compete in the 21st century. You set that, you have those ingredients on the table when communities are ready to bake the cake, make and bake the cake of prosperity and growth, they'll pick those ingredients up, put put the uh, batter in the oven and make a very, very delicious, prosperous cake.
0: For sure. You've brought it up a couple of times after the pandemic. What do you foresee Texas and the nation looking like after the pandemic? What is your vision for America? Do we have a new renaissance?
1: I think we'll see. I think uh, in some instances, uh, you know, I know I know. most people say, oh, this is just going to change. Man, it's just going to transform uh, our economy, our way of life, and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, maybe in some scenarios, maybe not in others. Um, what, what I'm surprised, uh, Sal, is the number of pandemics, epidem- ap- uh, epidemics, 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 yeah, that we've had in the 21st century. um You know, the most famous one, 1918, the Spanish flu. Uh, we had flu outbreaks in the 50s. We had flu outbreaks in the 60s. I think it was in 68. We had a very um a, a very tough flu season. Uh, we had SARS or swine flu. You know, we've had a lot, a lot of these. Um, uh, pandemic ep- epidemic attacks so you say well what changed after that right there were some changes um
0: nothing like we've seen now though nothing we didn't do well, well, we're, well we're, not really of,
1: we're not really out of it right and we didn't have zoom in 1968 okay um so um i think that we will see um a country like ours that becomes a little bit more cognizant and aware of how we prosper as uh, a state and a country. I think you will see a, um, an, an economy that um, starts to always look at ways to be efficient and i think that those those are going to switch over to the um the government sector i think especially uh, you know just looking at the banter on facebook i think especially we're going to have you know discussions going forward on the scope and reach of government in these type of scenarios and have a very good discussion because i think quentin brings up a good point i mean there's some places where well, we went all out and you're like, okay. Why? And some didn't go all out and you're like, well, why not here? Okay. Uh, if it's okay for a trucker to drive all over the country, getting Pop-Tarts to Walmart, um, what, what does that really mean for opening up Tattoo shop, a tattoo artist? Or a nail salon. What or nail salon, okay? I mean, what, what does that mean, okay? So, it's, it's all of that. Um, I think um, what, what's interesting here, you know, uh, politically, I'm just trying to figure out, um, uh, you know, what will it mean as far as some of our traditional debates that we've had historically, And what is that traditional debate between the scope and size of power and, uh, uh, you know, the role of the federal national government? Um, So I think it's going to be a very dynamic period. But I think we've got to give our folks the confidence Mm. to go out uh, like today. Um, You know, I, I stopped at the Wise Barbecue stand. Uh, I got a barbecue sandwich with the little meal and and um I gave them a a few more bucks and I told them, hey, look, I'm just gonna put this tab out here and um you know just just let people know that you know their lunch is paid for. Because I want folks to have confidence right. that they can get back out into their economy, their way of life. And that includes the way of worship.
0: Hmm. What do you foresee with, with again, this, this back and forth tug of war between narratives? Do you foresee a second wave? Do you foresee us having to go through this again in, in what people are calling a dead winter?
1: Okay. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and let me tell you, I had a friend that was a stock um, stockbroker. And he said, Hey, look, you know, this is how a stockbroker builds a, um, builds a customer base. So they, they, they go to, they, they find 500, you know, you can get these lists, you know, the 500 most, um, or the 1000 most wealthiest people in your, in your area. Okay. And you send those 1,000, uh, you send you, you send them and you say, okay, um, you send 500 of them, stock A, stock A is going to go up in, you know, so much and it's, you know, you're going to make money. And you're going to have, send the other 500, hey, here's stock B and it's going to do this. Well, you're likely to be wrong on one of them, right? So. Let's say the group you sent um stock stock b letter to they think you're you know just terribly wrong. you don't know what you're talking about right so you you just drop them off your mail out list and you work now with the the, the list on stock a all right, and then you divide that list into two uh, you know stock number one is going to go up. And and stock number two is going to go down. Well, you're going to be wrong on one of those, right? So let's say you were right on stock number two. So then you're down to 500. You repeat that again, 250 this way, 250 that way. And where you settle with that 250, guess what? They've been with you and they think you're right. They think you're an expert. You are a stock picker. So I like to read the data when someone comes out, because obviously this person can be right or wrong. If there is one spike in the winter, they will be right. Somewhere in this big old country of 50 right. states. The broken okay. clock. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, we'll, we'll, I, I think we'll see, because as I'm telling constituents, Sal, it's not a static environment. It's quite dynamic. There are many things going on at the same time. We have researchers searching for therapeutics that can probably um, uh, prevent the hospitalization rate, uh, you know, lessen it or, or make it less acute. Uh, we have scientists that are working for working on vaccines and that sort of thing. OK, um, so we've got a lot of stuff going on. And for someone to think with uh, President Trump for, for on a number of occasions, uh, if he knows a certain vaccine or set of vaccine proposals can make it to pay dirt, I, and I've heard, heard him say it, you know, but, but for someone to come in and say, Mr. President, it's going to take us 18 months to develop this vaccine, get it tested, approved develop, manufacture, and in the market, the president says, no, I need that tonight. <laughs> okay. Not 18 months from now. I need that tonight. Okay. okay. So I think that's the, the the mentality. So to think that we're going to really wait 18 months. I, I mean, if this president has his way, it won't be 18 months, probably be at the most 18 weeks and not 18 days. Okay. We'll figure it out. All right. So you got all of this going on at the same time. You've got business that is innovating at the same time. You know, so it's not this compartmentalization. First, the virus has to go. Okay, the virus is gone. Now I can walk out. Oh, I can walk out. Now I can turn on my business. Oh, i got to go out and buy people. No, it's a whole lot of things going on at the same time. We can strengthen our, uh, continuing to strengthen our, Uh, supply chains for PPE, uh, uh, strengthening our uh, testing regimen to include more antibody testing, antibody testing. We got to increase the antibody testing. So I think we need to get out there, face, continue facing the threat and see where it takes us. We know that it's highly contagious. But not as fatal as we thought. We know this. Okay. So um I'm not gonna make any predictions. I mean, usually viruses thrive when it gets cooler. Right. So some epidemiologist getting up and saying it's gonna be a dark winter. Okay. Got it. I mean, yeah, viruses thrive in the winter. Okay. Um what 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 I need this particular guy to tell me is without undermining the very economy that we need to fight the virus, to come up with all these great advances, how can I safeguard our people? Okay. And and we need to make sure that we're giving people the information that they need, but not giving them the sensationalism to stoke fear. Or to get some type of outcome, maybe politically, and I and I'll tell you, probably both 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 sides of the aisle, you know, Republican Democrat, you know, conservative liberal, are, are trying to uh, do those sort of do, you know pull those sort of stuff. Right. So let's just get after it. Let's let's see how it happens in the summer, um, and everything.
2: So as we wrap it up, James. I wanted to give you an opportunity. We have an audience all over the country and all over the world. And some of them might be surprised to see an African-American man represent Jasper, Texas in deep East Texas. And what are some things that you might want to say to folks who are unaware of the the truth about East Texas or uh, who may have heard rumors or have, you know, preconceived notions or false assumptions about the area that you've been elected to represent?
1: well look um I always thought you know playing sports, being in the military, and even being in politics uh, you know people um that um, um people that um you know you know maybe have certain views um you you you're not going to those people aren't leaving okay uh you, you, regardless of skin pigmentation or uh region of the country or the world for that matter okay you're going to have people that just you know don't think as all of us as children of God. Okay. I think it's a very, 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 very small number of those folks. Okay. I have to believe that. I know that. Okay. So um, I'm very proud of my constituents. Uh, you know, we could look at this a whole lot of ways. And, and I li- and I really like how you frame that question, Quinn, because uh, this part of Texas has probably been the, um, last part of the, of this state that really turned uh Republican from that standpoint. I mean, uh, I, you know, uh, and, and I'm proud of it. Uh, my part of the state was, you know, and to some extent is still considered one of those last vestiges of the old South. Okay. And so, um, Every region of this state, every region of this country has had to struggle with something in their history, with their past. And that's, and, and this is why I think this, this, this forum is was so important and I want to get, wanted to get on it. This is, is, is from these experiences that we learn. So through the experiences that I've had and that I've learned from, Is that at the end of the day, it's about your faith, what's in your heart, and what's in your gut, and people will make the decision if you give them enough information in a reasonable period of time. I just believe that, okay? And um, uh, so it was, you know, when I decided to run the first time I sat down with, I don't know if you guys remember Justice uh, Justice Dale Wainwright. He was a member of the Texas State Supreme Court before um, um, uh, leaving, um, you know, state government and going back into private legal practice. Um, he and I forged a friendship back in, in, you know, when I was still living in Harris County, where he started off as a a district judge. And he did such a great job. He was eventually appointed to the Texas Supreme Court and won successive elections after that. And he's also happens to be uh, a, a black Republican and um, um, uh, hold on, guys. Oh, hold on. To be uh, a Republican. And uh, and he told me, he said, James. um you can have it all up here. You can have it all on paper. But the people have got to fill it here, and they've got to fill it here. Uh, because by nature, we're all gut people, right? OK? So that's always been my approach, is I'll tell people. I'm going to tell you what I think you need to know, not what I think you want to hear, OK? It, you know we We always want to strive to give you an answer. It may not be the answer you want, okay, but you'll get an answer. Um, to the extent that we can, you know, some, you know, nobody's perfect. We try to stay pretty much on principle. Um, and, and sometimes that, that's gotten us on uh, opposite sides of issues with good friends. But the point is if we're going to govern. We have to govern um, evenly. We have to govern to the extent that we can wisely. And and we have to govern constitutional, you know, respecting everybody's property rights, respecting everybody's um, uh, free exercise thereof of of religion, respecting everyone's um, First Amendment rights of freedom of speech. You know, I remember sitting down. Thank you, my friend. Yes. Thank you for your work. I remember sitting down with a. when I was running my second election, and um guy wanted me to sit down and talk to him talk to him. He was an older gentleman. He happened to be White Quentin. And um, um and he said he was a card carrying member of the KKK. Um I don't know if he was still showing up to meetings. I don't know what, you know, but, but, and I told him, I said, look, if you're in the public square, I will defend your right to freedom of speech in Austin just as much. Even though I may disagree with you on, on your issues, I will fight for your freedom of speech in Austin more than the people that I agree with. Okay because the reason we have so called free speech um, um statutes and free speech constitutional provisions or so called protected speech right you you don't only the speech you disagree with needs protection think about it okay right. so so that's been my that's been my my approach um and and um I'm. I'm just. uh, I'm gonna tell you. I I don't think I could have found a set of constituents, uh, any member uh, among many members of the legislature, where your views, your approach, your worldview aligns with such a majority of your constituents. Okay, and when I started this journey, Quentin, I started this journey with one thing in mind. uh, Before. We were East Texas or South Texas or West Texas before we were Republicans or Democrats, before we looked at each other as liberals or conservatives. We were all, we all started as children of God. And, you know, reading through the Bible and reading these biblical accounts of leaders who either stepped up or were chosen to lead God's people that was a very very grave and important function to take part in okay and you can read these biblical accounts where biblical leaders leaders in these biblical accounts when they when they led the people astray the Lord dealt with them more harshly (laughs) than the people themselves, okay? Sometimes the people kind of got out of whack, okay? And the Lord kind of stayed with the leader to continue working with the people to bring them back in alignment with, with the Lord. But when those leaders started, when they were leading the people astray, um that that leader suffered some very very horrible um uh punishments yeah. and so um i want to make sure at the end of the day um you you know you get a vote opposite of constituents or certain factions of constituents but i want to make sure that um to the extent that i can that the lord will look favorable on my leadership, okay, and the idea that when you step up to lead God's people, who are made in His image and likeness, that just carries such a, um, a heavy responsibility uh, and 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 uh, a higher level of accountability. Because I do believe we are God's most treasured creation um and most champion creation. So believe that I, I think it 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 says a lot. And the idea that government is one of those three ordained institutions along with the family and the church. And I tell people once if you wonder why the government is so crazy, we just come from the families and the church. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so go back and look at the church and family. So so look. So look, I, I tell folks whether it's Dallas, whether it's South Carolina, whether it's New York, every part of the state has challenges. Okay, We just step up and meet those challenges. I don't think my uh, ascension or election to the legislature is any statement on race or any statement. I think it's just a statement is that uh, I put forth uh, a, a platform. Um, I went to Austin. To the best of my ability, to um, uh, you know, enact that platform in the statute, and I come back uh, every two years and stand before my fellow citizens for 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 the ultimate
2: grade. So you you feel that ultimately, to your constituents, your content and your character is probably the biggest deciding factor in support. Hey, in hey,
1: oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, um, it if if and we know this, uh, that's why I'm I'm elected. Uh, if if you are, um, if, if I, I believe if I was a, uh, a a white Republican, a white Democrat, I know if if I was a white Democrat because I beat one the first time. Okay, that uh, did, did not have a strong respect for life, uh, did not have a strong respect uh, and promotion of our Second Amendment rights. Uh, you know, did not have a strong affection for our state states' rights embedded in the Tenth Amendment. Um, you know, did not have a, a strong interest in not only the state's budget but the people's household budgets. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think I would be elected. Okay, so um, the people will get rid of me quicker than anybody else if I'm not promoting life. Um, promoting our local prosperity, promoting economic freedom, promoting and standing for property rights, um, promoting and and standing for our Second Amendment rights, understanding that we have Tenth Amendment states' rights, uh, understanding that we have this cherished cherished tradition and right of, of, of religious freedom, which Holds so many critical rights: the rights of association, the rights of of free speech, the rights rights of consciences. So, um, I think it's I think it's that. Okay, and and let me tell you why I know it's that, Quentin. Um, to the east of us in Newton, uh, we 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 got a great guy over there, um, uh, Sheriff-elect Burley, uh, Burby. Excuse me. Happens to be an African American. He's been a uh, police chief uh of a of a uh, fairly large uh city called Texas City. Um uh, he was so good I think they want him back, but we're gonna keep him over there in Newton. He has a long history, a long um uh background in law enforcement and you know he stepped up the run in the Republican primary um against the current sheriff at that time. Uh, well, no, uh, the the current deputy sheriff, who was also uh, a longtime uh, peace officer here in East Texas. Um, uh, You know, and um, he prevailed over her. And I think the reason he prevailed over her was because, you know, of his his, his deep reservoir of experience in law enforcement. And I did it, maybe he could bring some new techniques to the table. So you know that's 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 what I think at the end of the day it's 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 gonna be performance um and I think the people collectively are smarter than any politician most of the time and any group of politicians the most of the time i I just agree with that so um, yeah, so there's sometimes we have some tough times um but the point is. Uh, stay, stay consistent. Tell people what they need to know, and they'll eventually make their decision. Agreed,
0: James. We want to thank you for your time. I know it is very sensitive, and you got to get back to doing the things that you do to make this uh, a great thank you district. So much. Yes,
1: yes. yes. Thank you, Sal. Yes, thank you, and thank you, Quentin. And um, you know, uh, just just to, not to tell you guys how to do this, but. Maybe going into session, maybe in that December, when, when revenue um, levels start to kind of materialize, um, you know, we get out of the November elections and we kind of get a feeling on where people want to go um, policy-wise, maybe. Uh, you know, I tell people sessions are interested, they're interesting. They're interesting. they kind of had a personality of their own. Uh, sometimes that personality changes in the middle of the session. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we could get together again and, and talk about the session itself. And uh, maybe during great. the session, halfway during the session, and maybe a recap after the session.
2: That'd be incredible. Thank come you for that opportunity.
0: Me, follow okay. you up
2: there. We I've got a place to stay up there. I can extend to Sal. Maybe we can come do some interviews and hang out. That'd be awesome. Hey, please do that. Please do that.
0: We'll definitely keep in touch.
2: Okay, we'll do. Thanks, oh, man. Thank you
0: so much. As always, welcome to the new normal.
1: Yes.